Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to House of Champions. James Bench and Mike Lahoud, joined by the inestimable, the fantastic Fabrizio Romano. Pleasure to have him on the show with us. We're going to be talking transfers. We're going to be talking Serie A. We're going to be talking Dusan Vlavic, Weston McKenney, Sofian Amrabat, Olivier Giroud. So many exciting players to talk about. House of Champions starts right now. It's Serie A. It's January. We've got Fabrizio Romano. Bab, where else to start but Juventus in financial turmoil, financial chaos, perhaps the greatest scandals to hit Italian football since Calciopoli. Um, and that means a lot of players could be leaving. And I think especially for our American audience, there's going to be a lot of interest in the future of Weston McKenney. Bournemouth, Aston Villa, all interested. Uh, he's going to maybe struggle to keep his place as well, isn't he, alongside... Um, with, with his young players breaking through. So, Fab, what's the latest on McKinney? Yes, first of all, my pleasure to be here, guys, as always. And uh, yes, it's going to be, I think, a busy second part of January for Juventus. Now it's still slow, uh, not just for Juventus, but for all the Italian clubs. It's a complicated market in Italy, but I expect the second part of January to be busy. And Weston McKinney could be one of the players to leave. There are conversations ongoing, as you mentioned, with Barmouth, also with Aston Villa, there was a call a few days ago to explore the potential conditions of a deal. Uh, so the, the value of McKenney, which I think could be around 17, 18 millions. But as always in the January market, the price could be different in two weeks. And so this is why English clubs are well informed of the situation of Weston McKenney. And for Juventus, they could be open to let him go if they receive this kind of proposal. Uh, as I mentioned, at the moment are just calls with the English clubs and agents proposing the player to understand which one could be the best for, for West McKenney. But as you mentioned, there are many talents at Juventus in that position because Nicolo Fagioli is doing great, Fabio Miretti is doing great, and this is why for them the priority is to go with young players, especially in the second part of the season, and then probably to rebuild the midfield in the summer. Also, Adrian Radio is out of contract, we will speak about him. But for McKenney, there is a good chance to leave in January. At the moment, we still can't say where, but it's an open situation. Fab, Juventus have been, they were absolute circus at the start of the season. One player who was scoring the goals for him, then got injured, then fell out of favor and seems to be remaining injured. Serbian striker Dusan Vlahovic, Premier League clubs and other clubs around the world, they've shown interest. But what's the latest with him? Because I, I think that's going to be a big, big dilemma for them moving forward. 
Yes, and I think um, all these rumors we had about Vlaovic, I'm not sure that he's going to leave Juventus in January for two reasons. The first one, as you said, he's already injured. He's injured and he's dealing with his injury. It was October, November, also the World Cup. He was injured. He was not fit. He's not 100% fit, I think, since uh, July, August. Then he started to have this kind of of problems and so this is why I don't see clubs now investing on a player who's going to be out also today game uh, with Cremonese Vlaovic is not going to play and I think also the next one he's not going to be fit so it's a complicated situation from a physical point of view they have to wait for him also Allegri and the medical staff uh, are, are waiting to have positive updates but it's still not time for that and then the fee, because Juventus one year ago invested 80 million euros on Dusan Vlaovic is a really big investment on a player and today I don't see any club in the world prepared to spend that money in the January transfer window. We had many links with Manchester United, but we know that they're looking for a cheap option, maybe for a loan, not for a deal for 75 or 80 million euros. Otherwise, Cody Gakpo was the option wanted by Eric Ten Hag, and they didn't invest on him because they're not going to invest that kind of money on a striker. So at the moment, for Vlaovic, I think it's a difficult situation because of the injury, but Juventus will wait for him, and then we will see in the summer if something will change. Oh, I'm pretty sure everyone kind of around the world has has heard and, and got a sense of the the drama that's happening at Juventus Agnelli and the entire board leaving and you know the finances the numbers look absolutely terrifying I think it was 250 million euros lost mm. in their last statement um but I think maybe what's not clear is is how much pressure they're under to sell and and whether someone like Vlavic you know maybe in the summer it would seem is he just going to be available for free? Is this a, a fire sale? Everything must go? Uh, or is that no, coming no, to you? No. I don't see this kind of situation, honestly. As you, as you say, it is a serious situation, but I don't see Juventus selling all the top players they have or in this kind of, of drama for Juventus. I think they will try immediately also rebuilding the board because now the board is looking completely different. They will have a new internal meeting in the next days to clarify who's going to take care of everything. But now the situation for them is pretty clear. They have to get rid of some players with high salary. This will be the mission. And many of them are out of contract. So, for example, Juan Cuadrado, out of contract in the summer, I expect him to leave on a free. Alexandro, out of contract in the summer, I expect him to leave on a free. Adrian Rabiot is a really complicated one for Juventus to extend this contract. And I think there will be a very good chance for him to leave on a free and try a Premier League experience. So, for Juventus, salaries are now the priority. But I don't see them selling players like, uh, I don't know, Vlaovic or many others with a big value for free or on loan or this kind of situation. I think they will also try to protect their best players and to rebuild with young players. So mm. this will be the mission. What about Angel Di Maria? Yeah. Di Maria is out of contract in June. We had rumors about the potential uh, decision of the player to part ways with Juventus in January. I'm told that it's not true. I'm told that Di Maria will complete the season at Juventus and then he will decide probably mm. in April, in May, also based on who's going to be the manager next season, Allegri will stay or not, uh, what Juventus want to do with the uh, experienced players. And so we mentioned many, but Di Maria is one of them. So at the moment, he's just waiting. He will complete the second part of the season with Juventus. Let me say that it's surprising to see this kind of situation around him because he basically never played for Juventus. When he played, he had two red cards. So it was a really difficult situation. And now after the World Cup, fantastic Di Maria, the World Cup, scoring in the final, you come back and another injury. So, you know, I understand Juventus fans. They were really upset in the last few hours because of this Di Maria situation. But what I'm told from people close to the player is that he will complete the second part of the season mm -hmm. in Juventus and then decide at the end of the season. Oh, there must be something in the water with the Argentinian national team because another Argentine player reportedly linked to Juventus, Rodrigo De Paul. Is there a fire sale going on at Atletico Madrid? And is De Paul, is there real links with this? 
at the moment, no, Juventus are not negotiating for the poll, also because of the financial situation we mentioned. So also, if, for example, if McKennie leaves, I see Juventus trusting the young Italian players in that position, Miretti, Fagioli. Uh, they also have a really interesting one, who is Nicolò Rovella on loan to Monza, who is doing very well. So they have many interesting players in that position. And I think they will not go for players like the poll, at least in January, with a huge value, because Atletico Madrid are open to sell many players in this January transfer window. They are preparing the revolution that they will do in the summer, so we know that Mateus Cunha already left. Joe Felix could be a serious option for Arsenal or by United we will see in the next weeks. So they are prepared to listen to many proposals, also for Rodrigo De Paul, but at the moment it has to be something important, something huge, and Juventus are not going to offer important money for De Paul. So the moment is a quiet one. I mean, when we talk about talking about Angel Di Maria there, Rodrigo De Paul, star players at the World Cup, but my favourite player at the whole World Cup, mm. uh, Serie A superstar, Sofian Amrabat links to uh, Liverpool. I think we know as well that they're looking at Mateusz Nunez and, of course, that dream signing Jude Bellingham. Um, but who wouldn't want to sign Sofian Amrabat after the tournament he just had? Fab, what's the what's the latest on him? At the moment, you know, with these Liverpool links, I'm told that there is still nothing concrete. Fiorentina have received nothing, not even an approach from, from Liverpool for Sofian Amrabat. First of all, I agree with you. He's been incredible, not just at the World Cup, but also in the final games he had in the Serie A in November. He's been absolutely incredible. Also in San Siro playing against Milan, he had an incredible performance. Unbelievable. So he's a great player and I agree with you, he's a big opportunity on the market. But as of now, Liverpool are not in negotiation to sign to sign Sofian Amrabat and there is still, still nothing concrete. We had rumours about Atletico Madrid and they are one of the clubs interested in Sofian Amrabat but depends on the players they will they will sell in January so everything at the moment is is quite also because of Fiorentina Fiorentina had a conversation with people close to the player and they were very clear they want 40 million euros for Amrabat so after his workup the value is basically more than doubled uh, than before the workup because I think in the summer with 16 17 million Amrabat was available and now it's 40 uh, so you know the board cap effect but at the moment the situation is still quite I think we have to see this kind of profiles Amrabat and many others in the second part of January when the market also here in Italy will really start I mean, I think that's a bargain, 40 million. Um, on the subject of Liverpool midfielders, Peter Stamenkowski asks, I've seen rumours that Klopp is interested in signing the Napoli midfielder Elmas. Any truth in those and any other Napoli news? No, at the moment, no. Uh, at the moment, no, because, you know, I think Napoli will not touch any single situation, any single player in this January transfer window. They're doing incredible. They've been fantastic in Champions League. They are leading the Serie A, and tonight they have a key game with Inter at San Siro. If they win that game, the feeling is that, really, uh, it's their big chance to win the Serie A this year. So, uh, at the moment, Napoli's intention is not to touch any single, any single player. So, I think Elmas will stay, at least until the end of the season. I don't see Liverpool going for him. And for Napoli, there will be a new signing in the next days, which is going to be a backup uh, right back for Di Lorenzo, who is the starter. But they will sign Berezinski, the Poland right back from Sampdoria. There is an agreement in principle. Today, it was needed by Sampdoria, but starting from tomorrow, the conversations will continue and contracts will be signed. So the next Napoli signing will be Poland international Bartosz Berezinski. Oh, that's quite an exciting little signing there for the potential <laughs> future Scudetto winners. Right, after the break, Fab and I will be talking Olivier Giroud, AC Milan, Cristiano Ronaldo, and I might have to talk some Mikhailo Mitrick with him as well. <laughs> you speak about Cristiano Ronaldo. Eh? You are the man for Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> no, I'm not. We'll talk to you after the break. Here with Fabrizio Romano, but remember, don't stop watching the world's best soccer. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for club. 
Sign up today and 50% off an entire year using the code all year at paramountplus.com slash sports. Now, we've been talking about some of the stars of the World Cup, and I don't think many shone brighter than Olivier Giroud, still at 36 or whatever it is. He's 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 doing excellently. From what I understand, he's, he's in talks with Napoli over, uh, not Napoli, that would be exclusive, <laughs> with AC Milan over a new contract. But uh, there are links, and there are links that certainly have not been downplayed over a move to uh, Manchester United. Fab, could Giroud be back in the Premier League again? Not in January, for sure. Milan can't lose Giroud now. Mm. Impossible. No mm. way. They've been very clear uh, in public, in private. Giroud is a key player for them. He's the man who won the Scudetto last year because mm. he made a difference in all the key games with Napoli, with Inter. So Giroud is a really important player with Milan. Was a starter today. Will be a starter for the world second part of the season. Also because Divo Corrigi is injured. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is still injured. And so it will take at least one month to see Ibrahimovic back. So Giroud is staying. Staying. I understand these links because he could be a perfect option for May United or many other clubs. A cheap option, experienced striker, still scoring a lot of goals as we saw at the World Cup and with Milan in Serie A. But the reality is that he's staying at least until the end of the season. And then Milan are already in advanced conversations with Giroud to extend the contract. They have a new meeting scheduled to have this final detail sorted and then to sign the new deal. So I think Giroud is staying in January and not just in January. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I suspect so too. I think he's very happy in Milan, isn't he? Sergio Rico has been linked with a the move there. Obviously, Mike Mignon is He's still struggling with injury, isn't he? Is he the player that could be filling that void for a while? Yes, he's one of the players they're following, Sergio Rico. The, the best option for Milan would be Marcos Portiello, who is Atalanta's second goalkeeper. The first one, he's Juan Musso, and the second is Marcos Portiello. He's out of contract in the summer, and Milan have already an agreement with Portiello to join them in the summer as backup goalkeeper for Mike Magnan, who is, of course, the starter. But as we mentioned, is he's injured. Sergio Rico could be an option they are following on loan because now Atalanta don't want to give the players Portiello in January. They just want to let him go on a free in the summer. This is why Milan are exploring some options on the market. Sergio Rico is a possibility. It's not that easy because Paris Saint-Germain will try in this January transfer window to find a solution for Keylor Navas. And if they find a solution for Keylor Navas, they want Sergio Rico to stay as backup option for Donnarumma. So this is why it's a domino of second goalkeepers now on the market. Depends also on Keylor Navas. But Milan are waiting for PSG to decide. And then Sergio Rico is one of the players they have in the list. One player that Milan waiting for, the star, the main man, the young man, star for club, star for country, future star, Rafael Leal. Love watching this guy play. Love watching him at the World Cup with Portugal. Love watching him even more with AC Milan. What's the latest with his contract talks? Because this is a big player that they have to cement. Yes, he's an incredible player. I agree with you. Fantastic talent. Uh, he's always smiling also when he plays. He's incredible. He's a diff- he's different kind of player, really. And um, now there are negotiations ongoing between Milan and Leao. They've always been stating also in public that, they, of course, they want to extend this contract. And so they are in negotiations with these agents. There was kind of trouble around Leao between agents, family. So this is why it was not an situation, easy situation to discuss in November, in December. But now Milan are back with a new proposal to Rafa Leao. It's around 7 million euros net salary per season. So they're trying to tempt the player with this kind of, of proposal. The current deal expires in June 2024, so they have to be fast. Otherwise, I think in the summer, uh, if they don't have an agreement with the player, it will be time to, to sell him. But now Milan are optimistic. Milan are confident. They made an important proposal. They feel the player wants to stay. Also, Sandro Tonali, after today's game, I think Tonali was together with Leal, the best player on the pitch. Absolutely fantastic performance. And he said, I know that Rafa wants to stay here. He's really happy here. So we are just waiting for him to sign a new deal. So the feeling around the club around the team is for Leao to stay but now it's time to continue with the negotiation so new bid is on the table new meetings will take place and let's see what happens 
I mean, seven million euros is a lot of money unless you are Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> in which case I think it's like a week's wages. I can't do the maths on this anymore. Um, I want to compare notes with you here. He said, I had many opportunities in Europe, Brazil, Australia, US, as many clubs tried to sign me. Obviously, he's unveiled as an Al Nasser player. Um you know, it sounds a little bit to me like when uh, a 14-year-old boy says, I, I've got a girlfriend, she goes to a school in the, the next town along. We've heard some talk about MLS, but um, from I, I have to say I'm a little suspicious about some of this from, from my reporting. Fab, how much do you think Ronaldo is telling the truth? How much do you think there was sort of conversations, but maybe not offers? And what's your exactly. view? Exactly. Uh, you touched on the right point, I think. When, when you have kind of conversations emails, meetings. Uh, I can also be interested in signing players, but <laughs> I can do it. So, you know, it's absolutely normal. Then sometimes it's, it's the reality because, for example, I'm told that Sporting Kansas City, they tried to approach Cristiano Ronaldo. They had two meetings mm-hmm. with, with people close to him. Then it was impossible to compete with Al Nasser on a financial package. So this is why it was never advanced. But they had some concrete conversations. Probably some Brazilian club, as Cristiano was mentioning. I'm not aware of any proposal, but I know how they act usually in Brazil. And so maybe some intermediate was trying to approach Cristiano to present any kind of project from Brazilian clubs. This is how they work sometimes in South America. And so I understand this kind of opportunity. But then the reality is that nothing was that advanced. Nothing was that concrete. Only Al-Nazr, as you know better than me, made that kind of crazy proposal. But also... European clubs was really something slow. Also in the summer, he was waiting for an European opportunity and this was never close. Only with Chelsea at the end of June, with Todd Holy tempted, but then for Thomas Tuchel was never a concrete option. So this is why for Cristiano, it was never close. Old Nasser was absolutely the, the best proposal. I've just got a text actually from my uh, some, from some of my contacts that were quite close to that deal. Um, I don't know if they're watching. Hopefully they are. Maybe that's why they texted right now. Um, <laughs> just to say... Uh, you know, in terms of those stories around a Newcastle deal, as Eddie Howe said last night, look, there's no, there's no, nothing written down. But one thing that's very clear is Cristiano Ronaldo has total autonomy at Al Nasser right now. He can do what he wants. And frankly, if he's unhappy, the door's open for him. I think that's very much what I've just been told uh, by a few, by a few sources around that. But Fab, you know, on the subject of people that looking at their phone when they should be in podcast mode, uh, I've just seen your tweet here. Yes, I'm always with this. <laughs> Enzo Fernandez. I, I mean, so here we go. Uh, Graham Potter uh, on Enzo and, and Mudrick. This is live from the press conference, isn't it? We have to deal with all the noise of Chelsea getting linked with everybody. I don't comment on any deal. I hate when managers don't comment on deals because it sounds like this Enzo deal is moving very much in the right direction, mm. isn't it? Yes, but then you have to close the deals and it's like two, three days that they are meeting and meeting and discussing on the details. And at the moment, we hear every day, it's done, it's done, it's done. As of now, while we're speaking, it's not done yet. Because Chelsea and Benfica also yesterday night have been in really long conversation, long meeting in Portugal, but still no agreement completed. They are in a very advanced deal, but these payment terms are not a detail in this story. It's a really crucial point for Chelsea also because of the financial fair play issues so they have to be really careful on all the details of the deal and at the moment there is still no full agreement in place with uh, with Benfica conversations will continue today on player side there is no problem so it's just between the, play, the um, clubs Benfica and Chelsea there are conversations ongoing let's see if today is the right day but as of now it's still not closed yet it's very advanced yes but it's not closed yet and you know better than me that when it's this kind of big deal, big money, big player, big clubs involved, you have to be careful until the end. I feel like this has been the Argentinian national team transfer talk because I'm going to go south 
of the English Channel, south of London, crossing the English Channel to go to Paris. PSG, Lionel Andres Messi, World Cup winner, the GOAT, the People's Champ, Buenos Aires Champ. What is the latest with him and PSG? Because, you know, there are talks during the World Cup, after the World Cup, that uncertainty around Messi's future. Could he be staying at Parc de France? I'm told he will stay. 100%. Uh, I'm told that Messi has decided to, to continue at PSG and that PSG have absolutely the same idea. Then they have to meet, of course. So there is a formal meeting to do with his agents, with uh, his lawyers, with his father, Jorge, who takes care of everything. So we wait for this meeting to take place. Uh, I'm told that this will not happen this week. They are not in a rush because Messi wants to stay. PSG wants to continue with him. So there is absolutely no rush. They will meet in the next weeks. It will be really relaxed also because there is a contract in place now and they know that it will be kind of same contract the salary the closes so they're preparing everything but they are on the same on the same vision on the same way they want to continue together and so we wait for this meeting to have all the contracts signed the official statement of Messi's thing but the reality is that Messi has already decided to stay his family is very happy in Paris also what we saw today how they received Leo Messi after the incredible World Cup was a fantastic image with Luis Campos the sporting director who is taking care of everything who is also pushing to have Leo Messi for at least one more season the length of the contract for example is something that they have to discuss because it will be on Messi he has to decide if he wants to sign for one year or maybe for two years or maybe one year with an option. So they have to discuss about the details of the contract, but the intention is very clear. Messi will stay. Before we let you go, Fab, there's one topic that everyone on our in our comment <laughs> section has been asking about. It is, of course, Watford injury. Oh, no, wait, no, it's not the Watford injury news and when they'll ever get a fit squad, which I'm sure is devastating you right now. Mikhailo Mudrik, you know, second bid gone in from Arsenal. I think we're, we're kind of expecting, I haven't heard official confirmation, but expecting that will be rejected. Interestingly, I hear that, you know, Arsenal do have a price that they won't go beyond and they do have these alternative options. Chelsea now sniffing around. I know you're really well placed on this transfer. So, Fab, what is the latest on Mikhailo Mudrik and his possible move to London? Yes, first of all, uh, I want to mention Dario Serna, who is the director of, uh, mm. of Shakhtar Donetsk, former Croatian right-back. He is now in London. He will have a meeting with Chelsea. So there is a meeting scheduled between Chelsea and Shakhtar to discuss about the potential conditions of the deal. Chelsea have always been interested in, in Mudrik, but they've been waiting and waiting because they were expecting Arsenal to close the deal pretty fast, end of December, beginning of January. This is not happening because at the moment, as you mentioned, there is still no agreement between Arsenal and, and, and Shakhtar. There is a direct conversation because Arsenal and Shakhtar are speaking. The second bid was not accepted as of now, but I think Shakhtar want more than 50 million euros guaranteed plus add-ons to sell Mikhailo Mudrik. So this is why at the moment there is no agreement. And then there is the player side. The player side is really clear. Mudrik, I think, is also kind of public after his Instagram stories. Mudrik wants to go to Arsenal as priority. This is no secret. But Arsenal have to be fast. Now Arsenal have to reach an agreement with Shakhtar. Otherwise, Chelsea will push and try to enter in this race in a serious way. So the player wants Arsenal, but it doesn't mean that the player is ducking down all the clubs in the world just because he's waiting for Arsenal. So let's see what happens in the next few days in this meeting between Chelsea and Shakhtar. I think it will be a meeting where they will try to understand the conditions to attack this Mudrik deal. But Arsenal have still the chance to close the deal. They, Arsenal have the player with his word prepared to join, to join Mikel Arteta, to join the club and dreaming of the club. So let's see what they will do. But Chelsea are there. Chelsea will try. And they did the same, you know, last summer with many players. With Rafinha, who wanted Barcelona. With Gabriel Jesus, who wanted Arsenal. With Richarlison, who had the end signed for Tottenham. So Chelsea have always been trying for these kind of opportunities. I think this is the same case, but now it's on Arsenal. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. Fab, I suspect we've run over time with you, but thank you so much no for problem. taking the time to, to chat with us. Always good to talk Serie A, to talk transfers. And we will see you again very soon. Thanks so much, Fab. Mike and I now. Going to see you. See you, Fab. Sorry, I shouldn't. should have let Fab say goodbye there. I just couldn't stop yeah. talking, Mike, because there's big news that, that we need to discuss yeah. hanging over the U.S. Soccer Federation. I don't. I mean, I don't quite know whether we refer to Greg Berhalter as the U.S head coach. I mean, not least after that statement, but uh, his contract, of course, expired at the end of December. And uh, yeah. since then, late last night, I mean, a very strange experience where um, I can tell you from our, our side, a, a Twitter account that was supposedly Greg Berhalter, but had never tweeted before, put out a statement talking about an individual that had attempted to leverage his uh, something in his history, leverage information about him to end his relationship with US soccer really dramatic U.S. soccer statement then said that they are carrying out an investigation into the blackmail claims. And mm. notably, they will announce who will lead the January men's national team camp in the coming days. I mean, also our own Heath Pierce, former U.S. international, tweeting, uh, this was last night, that he's hearing that this Berhalter drama is about to really unfold tomorrow. All the details you are looking for are apparently bubbling up to the surface. Mike LaHoot, what on earth is going oh. on here? I mean, I've never seen anything like this in U.S. men's soccer history. And if you go back to some of the dramatic moments that have happened in the run into the World Cup, Weston McKinney, in-house issue with violating team protocol. Then you get to the World Cup itself. Gio Reyna, the conflict there. Reyna not trying. Burhalter outing him in the press. That becomes drama. And now this. The story behind it that I've heard and we've all kind of become privy to is that this is allegations of something that happened in Burhalter's past and an incident when he was 18 years old, him and his now wife, Rosalind, they went out, he was drunk, they got in an argument, and he hit her. As a former footballer and as a man, as a human being, I do not condone any violence of any kind, especially towards women. And that part, I, I definitely just want to air out and say, but I think of Burhalter's family, I, I think of just the state of affairs I think of his wife most of all, just mm -hmm. to have to resurface this, have to relive this in the public eye. This is a very difficult time for him and his family and a very, very difficult time for U.S. soccer, given the fact that his contract situation is still in limbo. Yeah, I, I think you've really hit the nail on the head, Mike, there. In that, I mean, I think this is, a, you know, it's a really important discussion that, that needs to be had about Berhalter's actions but right now I think we are obviously in a position where that cannot be separated by the fact that this information which is frankly I, you know I, I would say is relevant and I think it's important that US soccer fans kind of understand who the man that leads their leads their nation is but of course that you know there are reasons why this information may be made public and you know US soccer Berhalter himself as well saying that this is you know, this is not being done because they think it is in the public interest that we know this about Greg Berhalter, but it's to leverage the situation, leverage the information for gain. We don't obviously know who, why. Um, uh, and I think kind of until we do know those things, um, and I think it's very important that those those things are made public, it's very hard to understand how to, to process this information. It, it sort of feels like, you know, we are in the dark and, until then it's you know it's it's hard to make these judgments beyond exactly what you said mike that look this is a a dreadful thing that that berhalter did you know as he said in his statement he he did it once and he it stays with him and you know it, it is inexcusable 
yeah. even if you contextualize it as Berhalter did. Um, but as I say, we're really flying blind on this at the moment. And it's strange having these issues clash up against some, some very real practical concerns. Who leads the US national team? There are friendlies against Serbia and, and Colombia, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. Mike. We're expecting this to mostly be MLS players in, in January. Um, from a footballing perspective, what do you, what do you do about this? Does it do you, do you need to to get someone different in just to take charge of this camp? But that's the reports that have been going around that it, it may well be that someone else will certainly be in charge for this camp while the US Soccer Federation takes its time to understand what the right steps are. Yeah, I think you need to get an <clears throat> interim coach in. You need to distance the current manager away from the team right now because this has become a personal in-house family issue. I mean, he's being blackmailed. There's nothing like that. You need to distance that from the U.S. men's national team. You just had a successful, from a footballing standpoint, campaign, given the fact that not many people around the world, and even on this pod, there was only one person who thought that they could get out of the group against England. And you, you have a young group who are going to have to process this in their own way. And that question, as you talked about, is it brings in question marks around why do we follow this guy? You know, as a young player, there's lots of things that you start thinking about. And I think that there are interim managers who are available. I think the likes of a Caleb Porter, former Columbus crew coach. And I also think of Tab Ramos. Tab Ramos, he coached a lot of these guys with the U20 national team. I think he's coaching in the USL with Hartford Athletic Club. But I would bring one of those two in. They have a good longstanding relationship with a lot of these guys and in the U.S. youth system. Absolutely. Just remember for more on this story as it develops and, um, you know, based on Heath's tweet, based on reporting that's out there, we are expecting developments over the coming hours and days. Remember that you can uh, listen to In Soccer We Trust with Jimmy, Charlie and Heath. That's 3 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. That's Thursday. I'm still trying to get back on course with what days are what <laughs> post Christmas. Um before we go any further as well, uh, as we wrap up this show, um, just a word of condolence from everyone here at House of Champions to the family of uh, David Gold, the West Ham co-chairman. Uh, I, I know that it was a, one of the dreams of his life to, to be involved in West Ham, which he achieved in 2010. Um, and our condolences to everyone at West Ham, a uh, great football club. Um, final thoughts though, Mike Lahoud, on the uh, on, on where we are in, uh, in the Premier League maybe, your team Manchester United. That's quite a good night last night. Ah, I'm so glad. I've been on this pod ranting and just really sometimes depressed. I'm working on that. Now that Ronaldo's gone, though, four wins <laughs> out of four matches. Benj, the sun is out. The sun will come out tomorrow. It's coming out every day at Old Trafford. Cannot wait for this team to do the unthinkable, maybe get second. But fingers crossed against City in a few weeks' time. You beat, you beat Bournemouth, Chief. <laughs> Bournemouth I mean I have to say one thing that really has come out from last night's games I don't want to waste too, too many people's time I know you've got this <laughs> Mike but I tell you what there are two really 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 bad teams in the Premier League and they are Everton and they are Bournemouth um, and if I the teams below them I'm starting to hope that at least two teams might sink like stones past us uh, big night Again, in the uh, in Serie A, you can watch it all on Paramount Plus, and of course in the Premier League, uh, plenty of big games, uh, including Leeds against West Ham, Aston Villa, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, pressure on Antonio Conte. So a full full uh, roster of football. I think we're back tomorrow though to preview the the weekend, the FA Cup. It never stops 
on House of Champions. Mike Lahoud, thanks so much for joining us. Fabrizio Romano has has disappeared off into the ether, but thanks, Fab, as ever, for being a part. And thank you so much for watching. Remember to, uh, if you're enjoying this show, please, please do take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your parents' old radio that we're somehow on. (laughs) Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're there. We're also available as video on YouTube, much to my chagrin, much to my embarrassment as I have to host. Um, But please do subscribe to us on YouTube. I promise Ian Joy will be back soon to take the reins off me. Thank you so much for watching. Michael Hood, thanks for being here. And we will see you again very soon on House of Champions.